Hello everyone, this is the Audience Explorer, a podcast for you as a founder or creator who wants to develop an audience for your product or service. I'm Matthias Bohlen. Good evening, Colleen. Nice to see you today. It's good to see you as well. It's morning here in California. Oh, yeah. We're nine <laughs> hours apart, Germany to California. <laughs> one is uh, finishing the day. The other one is beginning the day. Okay. Uh, so glad to have you here. Um, could you walk us a little bit through your life? What, what happened that you decided to be an entrepreneur? What kind of entrepreneurship is that? And what's, your, what your, what's the status of your life today? Sure. So I am a software developer and uh -huh. I got into software because I always wanted to have a product business. That was always my goal. I love the idea of the independence and the freedom. I also have three young children. So the okay. flexibility that working from home and running your own business gives you is something that has really appealed to me. Mm -hmm. Although I work more now than I did when I had a regular <laughs> oh, job. <yeah. laughs> But, um, it's always been a goal, you know, for a lot of reasons. Like I said, it feels the autonomy and the freedom. And mm -hmm. also I love the idea that your upward mobility is limitless. So what, what if do you, you have mean a job by, by upward mobility? So if you have a job, you're going to cap out at whatever, you know, the max salary at Netflix is these days, which is uh, a lot okay. of money, right? Sure. But you're never going to, you're never I mean, you're, you're going to always hit a ceiling in terms of how much money you can make and yeah. um, how much responsibility you have. And so that's one path. And that's a great path that for some software developers is works with their life. And they're really happy to go down that path, mm -hmm. but I'm more high risk, high reward. So okay. <laughs> I'm more like, let's go in, let's go all in. Let's see if we can build this business up to have like a life-changing amount of money. And so all of those aspects of it, really the lifestyle, the autonomy, being in charge, all yeah, of those yeah. really appeal to me in terms of growing, building and growing a software business. That's great. It, it almost feels like, like a cause and effect thing, right? If you, if you are an entrepreneur, you have more uh, control over, over, no, it's not really true because uh, your customers have control, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but it's more cause and effect, right? If you work for somebody else, um, all kinds of other factors come, come into play, uh, your colleagues, the, the company as a such and the market and, and everything. So being an entrepreneur is more direct experience, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it absolutely, you know, gives you, it's hard, but it gives you a lot more freedom in yeah, the long run. Yeah, that's right. And more and more uptick. That's correct. Yeah, I was a, a big fan or I, I still am a big fan of your software social podcast together with Thank Michelle. You. It's one, one of my favorite podcasts, really. The conversations go really deep and, and you cover a lot of ground. Um, And so I heard that you have founded uh, a business uh, called Simple File Upload. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yes, of course. So this would be my first product business. Well, it's not actually my first product business. Like five years ago, I put an app in the iOS app store. Uh -huh. And I didn't know what I was doing in terms of a business perspective. I did everything wrong. It made $60. <laughs> like it was just a... 
<laughs> it was a good experience. That. <laughs> so, so that was I'm really the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really my first product. I mean, that was maybe it was like eight years. It was a long time ago. It might've been eight years ago. So that's back when some guy had put some game in the app store and he made a million dollars. And so yeah. that was like the thing to do. And again, that made $60. I did everything wrong. I learned a ton. So I can this, imagine that right? <laughs> this product um, is a lot more thought out. And what it is, it's, it's essentially a widget that mm -hmm. you load into your site that provides you a pleasing UI and it direct uploads. It allows your users, you know, your users would drop a file into the Dropbox yeah. and it will direct upload those files to S3. And then it returns to you a URL of the files stored in the cloud behind a CDN. So it takes away all of that. Like really everyone needs file. Most people need file uploads. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a laborious process. Like it's just a pain because you mm. got to get S3 set up. You got to get all your IAM. You're going to forget about cores and you're going to go back and forth. And then you got a CDN provider. You know, you have to pull in another, another service for a CDN provider, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so this so is much something, work. Yeah. it's so much stuff. And it's not yeah. that it's so hard. It's just so annoying. <laughs> yeah. So, so boring and so annoying. So annoying. <laughs> um, so the product isn't revolutionary. The product isn't, I mean, there's other products similar to it out there, mm -hmm. but what I was trying to build, so I'm a Rails developer by background uh -huh. and I'm independent. Rails, yeah. yeah, Ruby on Rails. And I'm an independent developer. So, you know, I do consulting and contracting. And I just found that like client after client after client wanted some kind of file. Everyone wants file uploading. Oh, Everyone yeah. needs file uploading. And so... And I just had to do it over and over and over. And every time I did it, I would do it a little bit differently. And it mm -hmm. always took a while. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. was just such a pain. And then the client gets annoyed because now they're paying their hosting bill, wherever they're hosting, and they have to pay their AWS bill, which is annoying. And no one ever really knows how much your AWS bill is going to be. That's always yeah. a mystery. <laughs> yeah. so, and so I found for my like clients, a lot of the people I work with, they're not that technical. They're more product people or mm -hmm. businesses. And so I found that then, you know, I have to give them access to AWS. So then I have to make them their own account and then they have to go in there and pay their bill. And the whole thing is just really painful. Yeah. It's really weird. And, and a lot of steps to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of steps to do. So I built this service mainly for me so I could stop implementing file uploading. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, really this thing, it takes five minutes. It's not fancy. It just, it works. It direct uploads. And so that's nice. So you don't have to worry about, so the direct uploads for people who don't know what that is, that means I go right from the browser to S3. I don't hit my servers. So uh, that's yeah, just yeah. faster and it, you know, um, it's higher level of integrity. So all of these things, I did it once really well and I packaged it up as a service and now I sell it. I find um, what I most, mostly find interesting about this is one one is um, um, you scratch your own itch because you had to had to do it all over again for all of all your clients. On the other hand, this is uh, this is uh, almost perfect validation because if a problem problem is reoccurring and you can watch your clients have that problem, it's it's ideal for a startup. I think uh, normally we have all kinds of difficulties to validate our problem ideas. Yes. 
I, I think so. And I think, you know, as ideas go again, it's not unique or different or original. So, you know, I did struggle with the, will people pay for this when they could do it in three mm-hmm. to four hours? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's about just finding the right customer. Yeah. Uh, finding those mm, people between product and technology, a little, little bit of both, right? This, um, those people, are, yep. people who can imagine how much work it would be if they did it by themselves, but uh, they really don't want to. So my customer is exactly what you said. It's the person or the company that is right between technology and product, mm-hmm. because it's typically the company that wants to move quickly. They're trying to get their service out there. They're not, you know, they're not, they don't have uh, people who can just do this full time. I found yeah. that that's really, that's really my ideal customer. And there's a lot of people like that who are trying to iterate quickly. I mean, like myself, right? Like people trying to grow businesses. Yeah. They don't sure. want to spend hours um, fighting with AWS to do something as mundane as file uploading. What what I feel here is that you have a good understanding of who your audience is, the people who could potentially be interested in your product, um, what what characteristics they have. Is that true? I'm still figuring that out because what I just told you is my theory. Uh-huh. And now I'm in the process of trying to really hone in on the people who are using the product okay. to validate that hypothesis. And um, um, how did you find the the first members of your audience? How did you find the first people who at all wanted to use your product? And and how did you uh, contact them at all? Or how how did they find you on the other hand? (laughs) So this is a bit of a hack, but I am so glad I did this for my first product. So it was my first product. So first I launched it in the Heroku marketplace. Ah. as an add-on. And mm-hmm. so, of course, you know, experienced product people, that makes them really nervous because there's so much platform risk there. Mm-hmm. But for my very first product, I mean, as everyone knows, I mean, we've been told over and over and over, yeah, you're a developer, you can build whatever you want. How are you going to find the people to sell it to? Yeah. Where are those people? Exactly. So I mitigated some of that risk by first launching it in the Heroku marketplace. And all of these big services have add-ons and, you know, Shopify, Mm -hmm. you can do Mm -hmm. apps and Cloudflare, I think has apps now. I just think that was such a good move for me because I was quickly able to validate it and see if people were going to buy it like pretty fast. I mean, it's only been alive seven months ish. Mm. and the majority of my customers have come from Heroku. Like it just helps, it helps. It's a good traction channel for me right yeah, now. Absolutely, because that's exactly where people are who want to build products, right? They they yeah. more or less all start in at Heroku. I, I did so too when I built my, my startup. Um, I, I started there because they, yeah, they take away so many infrastructure problems. They, they allow you to get started quickly. Uh, after a while, okay, you grow out of it, but, um, but it's, it's a good start. Really, Heroku is a good place to start. I think so, because I have tried. So now it is open to the world, and I have really been trying to do customer development to figure out where these people are and how to reach them. Uh-huh. And it's challenging. Like, I'm really struggling with that. So, 
Can, can you walk me a little bit through your steps of customer development that you do? Sure. So what we have been doing is just interviewing. So I, I, I've just basically come up with these hypotheses of, of who my people will be. And yeah. I look for people yeah. in that, you know, that fit that. And I've been interviewing them. And so I've talked for a while. I thought it would be a good product for just like pure front end developers because it abstracts away the AWS stuff. Yeah. But very senior pure front end developers are really into how the images are served. So they want them served in WebP at the exact correct like size, like they, and they want the size oh. to be taken care of of the server. Yeah. And I mean, the images are behind a CDN. They're really fast. They're it's, that's not something I offer. And so it wasn't super intriguing to them, the, at least the, the few I spoke with. Mm -hmm. And so then if you talk to like pure backend developers, so that was my first, you know, hypothesis was, this yeah. is going to be perfect for the React developers. And there were, some of them liked it, but unless they were product people, they weren't like super jazzed. And then I talked to like pure backend developers. And again, if they're not product people, this helps you move faster, but they just, they just seem to want to roll it themselves. They're like, oh, I'll just use ah, AWS. Okay. So it's been interesting. So I've really, I'm so this is good though, that I'm now narrowing in on the people. It's like, you know, the joke is all indie hackers make products for other indie hackers, which is a waste because <laughs> <laughs> none of us have enough money. Um, but the truth is those are my people. My people are early stage startups trying to move quickly who, um, trying to move quickly who just want to get the feature done. So for example, I'm doing a deep dive with some of my paying customers. I have a real estate, I have an accountant, I have, hmm. you know, a nail salon, like just interesting. Yeah. So, it's so really many different domains. Wow. Yeah. So it seems to, it seems like, I guess what I'm starting to say is the super deep technical people don't necessarily want to use my product. The yeah. Technical people trying to make something like a business site or they're consultants and they're trying to move quickly. Those seem to be more my people. Mm, interesting. And what happens if you contact them? Do you have uh, regular customer interviews or prospect interviews? You know, I'm trying, but this has yeah. been a struggle. <laughs> I mean, people don't seem to want to talk. I mean, it seems, which is, I guess is good. There's one or two customers that are have been in like really great communication with me. Um, and the rest just seem to be like, Hey, it works. I'm good. So oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Right. No complaints, I guess. Yeah. No news. It's good news in that case. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but, but how about the people who should be interested? You are not yet your customers. Uh, did you have, um, many conversations before when you, um, be before you had the product or was it simply the, the, the idea that you had and you started right away coding it? I, It was just the idea and I started right away uh, okay. coding it. And I think, again, I feel like this is, you know, it's a first time founder mistake, but I feel like it's a mistake you have to make sometimes because so mm -hmm. many people, mm -hmm. you know, that's the thing, like so many people want to launch products and they just never launch them. Right. Because all this stuff gets in their way. Yeah. And so I knew going into this, like, I didn't really know if anyone was going to buy it, but I also knew that if I didn't launch a product, like I feel I'm a big believer in like momentum. So 
I felt like it was worth the risk to launch the product and find the customers after, even though this is generally terrible advice. Hmm, normally, yes. <laughs> right? It's terrible advice. But for me, it was worth that risk because I had the traction channel of Heroku. And my product's pretty simple. I'm still mm -hmm. now doing it backwards. So now it's, you know, had mild success. And I'm now trying to find those people I just described to you. Like, where do the early stage SaaS, but already profitable people hang out? Like, where do I find them? How do I get them to use my service? So that's what I'm doing now. This is interesting because um, that's exactly the problem I want to solve with my startup. It's it's so interesting. Um, I had um, failed with several ideas before. I think I think yeah. four or five ideas, and after a while, I thought, hey, maybe you're not talking enough to customers or, or to prospects, not yet customers. Um, and so I called myself get the audience. It's it's um, get in the sense of understand, not in, in the sense of get more of them. Okay. Um, and um, I'm trying to automate this process, like finding where do I find them? What do they talk about? Uh, who are they? Who are the most leading people? Who are the following people? Uh, who is the most active in, in a given audience? And And when are they online so that I can reach them? And I decided to go on Twitter uh, as a platform uh, okay. to do all this searching and listening and so on. So basically, I started as a, as a pure Twitter listening tool, um, also without customer interviews again. Yeah. <laughs> same, same mistake. <laughs> So uh, I simply put a waitlist outline uh, out there, a landing page where people could sign up for a waiting list and suddenly 100 people signed up um, all from the indie hacker uh, community. That's and awesome. I thought, mm, is it really awesome? <laughs> Or is it just this <laughs> usual indie hacker thing that we help each other, uh, kind of support system that we are for each other? Uh, but we are not usually not our customers. We don't make good customers to other indie hackers. Right. Um, but so it happened, and then I built the minimum viable product, uh, like um, you can watch people, what they say, when they say it, and who it is. That was the first MVP. And okay. now after that, when I've, I got the first people paying for that. Okay. Um, and um, now I'm going into customer development more. Uh, like, for example, the new version allows you to define personas. Uh, with their goals, their aspirations, their challenges. Uh, so who's your typical customer? How do you call them? Uh, what do you call them? Um, and um, what do they uh, are they trying to achieve, like jobs to be done? Um, and the next version, the last one, before I go into bigger <laughs> marketing efforts, uh, will be um, how do you validate your assumptions? Like um, mm -hmm. You can interview. Uh, you can invite them for an interview. Um, the the tool will automatically create all this Zoom link stuff and calendar stuff, um, hopefully, and um, or you can invite them to a survey like Google Forms or, or Reform or whatever forms you can send to them and invite them to to fill them. Um, so it's it's will be a kind of uh, customer development tool. Um, and I'm trying to, to get more people, uh, more startups, um, let's say not so small, but five people and up um, to, to use it because they really have the problem. Where do we find these and how do we talk to them? What, we, what do we do with the results, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yes. Also basically scratching my own itch, right? Yeah. So does it work? Uh, Sort of. I have uh, a few people paying. I think they are eight, eight or so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, many many people are signing up uh, each month, but they are not doing much. So uh, I have really an engagement problem there, an okay. activation problem. So is the idea that you're looking, so your customers define their ideal customer, and then your software is like scraping Twitter for keywords or for leaders in the industry based on the numbers of followers, stuff like that? Uh, no, um, it's, um, it's, it all starts with an automatic bookmarking. So the, um, so that thing registers whenever you click on someone on Twitter or you click on a tweet to see it, uh, it's automatically bookmarked. And okay. from there, you can say, create an audience for this person that I bookmarked. And um, the the tool displays a word cloud of the keywords okay. that this person is using uh, together with their audience. And um, you can also select, do you want to hear the person um, themselves or do you want to exclude and only hear the reactions, the engagement that they get. So you get a word cloud basically, and then you can use those words as filters. For example, when the word problem occurs, you can click on problem and you can look what are they talking about their problems. Um, Mm -hmm. So to to really deeply understand what they're talking about. And on another tab, you get a ranked list of people, the most active one on the top, then some below and so on, so that you can see who's uh, like a cocktail party, right? You get onto the party and you want to know who's the one to talk to, who's the one who has the most influence, what are they talking about? And this thing is kind of uh, um, a friendly host who uh, introduces you to the to the audience. Interesting. Have you heard of uh, the sales safari, Amy Hoy, Adam Hillman? They do 30 by 500. Are you familiar uh, with that? Amy Hoy's name occurred several times in my in my blogosphere or in my in my sphere, but I didn't read it yet. Uh, I, okay. I still have to. Okay, that that makes me think of you know they have this whole concept of sales safari, which is essentially scraping Reddit and other forums uh-huh. for things exactly like you're describing. Like, so I actually hired someone to do this for me, and basically she read Reddit forums looking for okay. keywords like images and upload and problems and try yeah. to like suss out specific issues. So this sounds really similar, but using Twitter, that's really neat. Yeah. Nice. I, I have to read her, her stuff be- because I, I came across this several times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Returning to you, um, yeah. I understood that you work with even another company yet. Uh, I'm so excited about my new company. Yeah. And I'm going to start talking about it more on software social because it is taking up actually more of my time. Um, So I have partnered with two of my friends who are Mm -hmm. building out. It's a, it's a set of developer tools, but the first thing we're building is like a really um, complex, I guess, but easier for the developer, but a very feature full query builder. Okay. And so Um, We're actually, you know, we're not funded. Well, we're kind of funded. So that's pretty cool. So that's kind of changed the whole game. We have a customer who is funding us for a year to build out this product and they get an unrestricted license to use the product, but we keep the IP so we can then pull it out and package it. Yeah. 
So it's really exciting. It's like getting funding without giving away your company. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say it's better than even better than having a VC because if you have a VC, you suddenly have a boss. Right. I mean, it's it's an amazing. We just, you know, the stars kind of aligned, and it's this amazing opportunity. And what the product, the first product, the idea with the company is we're going to build out a set of um, tools for developers. Mm -hmm. So all of those things that you always have to do, but you hate to do because they're just annoying and painful. Yeah. And so the first one is going to be a, a query builder because, uh, which will probably go into like admin panels and things like that, ah, but mm -hmm. it's quite powerful. It's more, I, I don't want to say it's more enterprise level, but it's a different customer base in simple file upload. Simple file upload is definitely for the newer companies. Whereas the query builder that I'm building with Hammerstone is definitely for more established companies. So it'll be ah, interesting. It'll be a, yeah, it'll be a different audience. Um, hopefully an audience, you know, with a little more money. So it'll be a little <laughs> less painful. Uh, the kind of audience that's willing to pay to solve their problems. So yeah, yeah. so that's going to be a whole different set of customer development. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Wow. Uh, so query builder in the sense of database queries. So I can yes. I can configure kind of uh, find me all customers who spent more than 100,000 in the last year, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So oh, okay. we build that SQL up. So it's it's a visual query builder. So we provide both hmm. the front end and the backgrounds and the back end. So that example you just described. So find me all customers who clicked on this page five times and bought a shirt that yeah. was red. And so you can build that up in real time using the front end view component or hotwire if using rails. And then we will create performance SQL and we create the SQL for you and you know, mm. you just get your results. And so, you know, wow. we see this problem with larger companies all the time. I have seen it like my, my business partners have seen it where, oh, I need this report. Oh, you have to go back to the developer. The developer has to configure yeah. that scope. Oh, you know, accounting needs this report. Oh, we have to go back. It's this back and forth and it's a huge waste of time and money for a company. Wow. Uh, this sparks all kinds of questions now inside me because I'm a software architect. I teach software engineering methods. And I really oh, like I to go that. on a deep, deep, deep technical <laughs> deep dive, dive now. <laughs> because... Um, Shall we do it in this podcast? Is this interesting for people? I don't know. <laughs> But we can do for five minutes. If not, if it's not interesting, we cut it away. We I edit it away. Um, okay. Um, I think you might run into one problem because um, with query builders, it's always like um, you have one data store that you use for your operating business, right? For the normal, let's say a shop application or whatever you're running on top of the database. And the, so the database schema is optimized for working on it, for modifying it, for uh, having transactions in it. And when you go to the query side, you want to have performant queries, uh, the database schema has to be optimized in a maybe different way. Um, and another point is, for example, these days people are creating these microservice architectures with tiny little uh, uh, things operating on a single table or so. But for a query, you need access to many tables at the same time. So you're introducing coupling between those tables that you don't want to have in a microservice architecture. Um, so are you uh, thinking of two database schemas? Let's say one for the operative side and one for the query side, something like so that. So we're not right now. So the multiple database thing. So the first thing is we sit on top of your ORM. So mm -hmm. we're doing Rails and Laravel. So 
at least in Rails, and I assume in Laravel, like Active Record takes care of handling yeah. the multiple databases. But so our first, the the customer that's funding us, they have great, I mean, they they have billions of records and they have shards yeah, and the yeah. whole deal. So ah, these okay. things you bring up are like really good points. And the opportunity we think we have now is with these guys that we're working for, we're going to optimize it perfectly for their use case. So what we think it might look like to your point about like optimizing your database for queries versus however else you want your database to be. Yeah. The if you have billions of records or if you're if you have so much data that that you need to reoptimize for query building, we might then provide productized consulting to come in uh, there yeah. Yeah. and teach you and show you the best way to optimize in order to use a query builder for people that are that large. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It makes total sense to give a little bit consulting uh, services uh, to, yeah, packaged up, right? Exactly. Yeah. And now back to the, the audience side. Interesting. Yeah. Two different audiences and even um, your customer's audience, right? For example, when, you're, when you have this yeah. big, big customer with yeah. Hammerstone, um, yeah. And they have billions of records of what? Of their customers, of their their goods, or what? What is it kind so of? So they uh, are using at the they're using Postgres Timescale DB. So mm -hmm. they have like the user clicked on this, the user saw this page. So it's it's so you ah, have like that level time of series mm, time mm -hmm. series data. Yeah, so that's why they have so much data. Mm. So they are searching for patterns, let's say patterns of customer behavior. So it, Yep. So that's exactly right. So again, it'd be like a customer. I want to see all customers who purchased a product and viewed, or you, they would probably have already not purchased. So have viewed this page three times and purchased a shirt that was red or whatever, mm, you know, whatever okay. specifically you need, but that's the idea is so you have these like nested queries that are looking for, and, you know, we could, you know, we handle relationships. So it would also be like, customers if they, if you had an event company for example a customer that had an yeah. event named x and on this date and that kind of thing yeah 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 and how does hammerstone do the the audience development now how do you find more uh, people who could have this query problem this query builder problem so we, because our product is built both in Laravel and Rails. So on the Laravel side, our Laravel guy has been really active in the community. He has released a couple open source packages ah. that have been incredibly popular. And so he has been on Laravel worldwide virtual meetup to demo one of his products. Wow. Yeah. So I think that on the Laravel side, we've had a lot of buzz just around the things he's been doing in the community. Uh-huh. On the Rails side, we haven't done anything yet. The product is still a ways away from release. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we haven't done anything on the Rails side yet. We should probably do that. <laughs> Maybe test something with a, with a few people who, who whether they resonate. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I think with like the goal of Hammerstone is to build spectacular software, right? So a lot yeah, of people yeah. are always told to launch, launch, launch. and you launch a very, very small MVP, which is great for some people. That's not what we're doing. We're doing something different where when we launch, our product is going to be airtight. So oh, wow. okay. it's kind of just a different, it's just a different approach, I guess, from the yeah. typical approach. Uh, Cause like simple file upload, when I launched that, like it, 
worked mostly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, it law, it was not very featured when it launched and I'm happy I launched it because it forced me to put it out there. But from a software perspective, it's great now, but, but when yeah. I launched it, there were a few things I was like, Hmm. Um, and so, like I said, with Hammerstone, we're taking a totally different approach where it's going to be like, like just airtight when it launches, it will have been enterprise tested with this first enterprise customer. And so, you know, it will have been through the ringer. And I think our goal then will be to do kind of a soft launch, like get a few people mm -hmm. and just kind mm -hmm. of get them integrated and then really ramp up the marketing machine. Ah, I think this works because you have this big customer already. Um, so you can optimize, for example, for really serious use cases. You can test, you can make that thing rock solid. Um, you wouldn't be able to do that if you have only yeah, if you have no customers and no runway, uh, right? So this totally. big customer is, is super useful uh, to, to have an approach like that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and that is, you're absolutely right. Like I couldn't have done that. That's why they tell you to launch early because you don't have money yeah. coming in from a product yeah, yet. Right. So it makes sense. Cool, that's even better than a VC. And they, yeah. let, they let you have the IP, that's, that's amazing. I, I find that amazing. They've been just wonderful. They're a, they're a really big name. Um, I don't know that I can share it publicly, but they're a really big name in the Rails ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And they're basically like doing, I mean, they're really, they've just been so wonderful to work for because they're super into code quality and like just building a spectacular product. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really, really a fun experience. Nice. Nice. Yeah. The other pattern you men you mentioned in the Laravel community that your colleague has has done so much uh, work for or, or given value into that community, that's another pattern that pattern that I see emerging. Uh, for example, last week I had um, Kavan Cheng from Hong Kong in my mm -hmm. podcast. Um, he's meet Kavan on on Twitter, and he's uh, writing um, email courses for how to. Um, how to get um, more engagement on Twitter, how to find your audience on Twitter and, also, and all kinds of things. Um, and he's now offering uh, cohort-based courses, eBooks, et cetera, et cetera. So um, he also started by giving free value into a community around him. Uh, and he said this worked really, really well because you become credible, you get people who take you seriously because they see that you know what you're talking about. And so giving value for free at the beginning is, is a really, really powerful strategy, I think. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of trade-offs, I think, because doing the open source project can be mentally and emotionally taxing. Mm, yes, yeah. But, but I think you're absolutely right, especially for us, as we are kind of new to this, you know, we're not well known, if you will, yeah. for us to go in and provide these open source packages has really given us some name recognition in the Laravel space. And so yeah. when we're ready to launch the paid product, I think we will be well positioned. People will know that we build quality software. We don't just push stuff out the door. Yeah. So it's a different strategy, but it hopefully will work. We'll see. Yeah, you already become known for for quality software, right? Because in open source, exactly. you can really see if it has quality or not. And uh, exactly. for example, if you go through GitHub and, and study the the um, the issue trackers, 
um, with the open issues and the resolved issues, you really see how how people are behave when when they uh, have issues. Yeah, to yeah. solve. Yeah, absolutely. So nice. yes, yeah, that provide free value. You know, upfront strategy with that one. Yeah, that's a kind of pattern. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Totally different mechanisms like in for simple file upload you've got this this marketplace approach where people come to the marketplace are looking for solutions and you meet them there um, and for the new company it's totally different you have one big one that that keeps everything moving and have the laravel community kind of community approach um, yeah so many different possibilities opportunities to to develop an audience i always find that amazing yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Last week, I had a young um, uh, entrepreneur from Florida. She's, I think she's even 19 or what. Um, and um, she meets her customers at, at the dentist, for example, in the waiting room or at a baby shower on a party. And she's, <laughs> that's so wow. amazing. She says, it's almost natural, like conversations like, uh, well, hey, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I come from there and there and I'm running a startup doing this or that. So she gets, she's in the personal finance um, um, domain. She creates a wallet application for, uh, for a budgeting application for for ordinary people who want to have better finances yeah. and it's amazing she meets ordinary people all the time is talking to them uh, almost reminds me of, of uh, rob fitzpatrick also had last week on the on the podcast call um with the mom test right As, <laughs> asking ordinary people at starbucks uh, about yeah. their their problems that's a totally different approach yeah i i still feel like it's Doing it this way still feels hard. I mean, if you look at the most successful businesses uh, in our like indie hackerspace, it yeah. seems to be the people who have transitioned into software. So they have domain expertise in a different, you know, a different oh, yeah. area. Yeah. Or people who have a friend or a spouse or someone who is deeply ingrained in a different community. Because yeah. I feel like. Like here I am building software for software developers. And I think we can be really successful doing that. But I still think the secret sauce is to find one of these underserved by software communities <laughs> and figure out yeah. what they really need. I mean, man, those people seem to have the, like seem to have the most success. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Arvid um, with his embedded entrepreneur approach, right? You really have to embed yourself into a community, uh, audience, whatever, um, that you happen to have connection with. For example, yeah. with, with his uh, life partner, mm -hmm. uh, she's been a teacher and they embedded themselves into this uh, Chinese English teaching community. It's, it's amazing. You have to have some kind of um, contact to, to get into that. Yeah. I, I just seem to think that is the most success, successful way yeah. to go about it. But, and, and I think it makes sense then that like I make a product for developers because that is my community. Yeah. But when you talk about like getting an audience, like as we were talking about the top of the hour, simple file upload, I need to find those people that are indie hackers but have already been successful you know or at yeah, 10k plus a month seriously yeah yeah and honestly i mean i'm only doing average at finding those people <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's a learning experience i think 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm just designing or I'm trying to design a, a system for that. For example, um, I always recommend if you're looking for a certain kind of audience, imagine mm -hmm. what they are doing. For example, software yeah. developers, okay, they write software. What what are they using for that? Yeah, we're using integrated development environments, databases, compilers, frameworks. Um, who has written those frameworks? Ah, this one. Okay, follow this one on Twitter. Um, so by looking at what people do, what they use for that, and who has created the tools they use or the, 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 the books or the conferences they attend or the journals they read, um, I'm trying to make people think about their audience as just ordinary people creating things and using other things to create that. Um, so um, I try to send them um, to the famous book authors or to the conferences or the tool makers. Or for example, uh, one, one of them said, I want to do something for bloggers, for people who blog. Okay, what, what are your people using? Yeah, bloggers use WordPress when in the beginning, after a while, they are crazy about WordPress. They use static site generators like Hugo or Gatsby or whatever. Um, okay, so follow, uh, for example, Gatsby, uh, the audience around Gatsby. So have a look at, uh, at what people are talking about in that community or uh, go to WordPress, um, follow WordPress. Let, let's have a look at what those people are talking about. And um, suddenly they have points in, in space where they could, I, I always call them digital watering holes, um, where, where the elephants meet, right? Where you uh, find people who are talking about the same thing. Yeah, I don't think file uploading is that exciting. I don't know if anyone's talking <laughs> about it. No, but, but, uh, uh, but what if you go, for example, to if you follow Visual Studio Code on Twitter, just trying to grab their followers or what yeah. if you um, go to someone amazing like um, Kent Beck or what follow Kent Beck um, so just to find your people there who talk about software development quality software development and entrepreneurship as well for example if you uh, go to Rob's followers um, try to find people who uh, who want to be serious software entrepreneurs so what would you recommend? So if, if step one for understanding your audience is, I mean, of course there's more than, you know, a few steps, but yeah. generally speaking, if step one is to hone in on these digital watering holes, then what do you recommend engaging with the community then at these, you know, in these Twitter threads and, and just kind of yeah. being more present? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, after a while you, you will, you know, first of all, you will need to, um, uh, to find them at all these watering right. holes and but you um, ask yourself what are they doing okay what are they using who has created that what they are using okay i found the watering hole then you're uh, trying to explore what they are talking about who are the important ones and when i can when can i reach them at what time of day um, and then you engage right you you uh, enter the conversation and trying to add value to that conversation for example when two people are talking about some ORM problems or some, yeah, some deeply technical stuff, you uh, simply enter it and, uh, and try to help. And after a while, you will be perceived as someone, oh, she's not, she knows what she's talking about. Oh, maybe I should contact her. Maybe I should ask her. Um, and, and a conversation gets going. And um, yeah, it's almost like stealing followers from someone. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I mean, that makes total sense. You know, I had, so I don't, 
really use Twitter as marketing. I don't really know what that means. I'm trying to learn. But um, since I've been pretty public about what's happening with Simple File Uploads, someone yeah. with like 30,000 followers gave me a shout out for hitting 10,000 uploads. Wow. And the, yeah. And the That's website good. traffic. Yeah. It was, I mean, I didn't really think anything of it. And the website traffic on that day was just, just spiked. I had like five yeah. new signups. And then, and then it occurred to me, this was only like two weeks ago. It like, it was like this light bulb moment for me that like, oh, Twitter can be a marketing tool. Oh yes, absolutely. I think Twitter is a fantastic tool because people are really open uh, and, and are talking about what they're doing. Uh, sometimes, for example, <clears throat> on Instagram, it's pure vanity, right? You, people are posting their, their pictures, looking beautiful, etc. And, right. <laughs> and think, uh, no, exception with, um, with serious photographers, for example. They also post right. on Instagram, but for a different reason. Right. Um, but on Twitter, it's, it's really open and people sh are sharing. So uh, at least if you're in the, in the right spaces there. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. A shout out from a 30,000 follower account. That's, that's really good. It was pretty cool. And it was funny because like, <laughs> I didn't even know what was happening. And my uh, marketing um, person was like, what happened? Like you got yeah. this huge spike of views. I was like, Oh, very cool. Thanks, man. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I like that idea. You know, as I said earlier, that's very much the like Amy Hoy, way to go about yeah. sales safari. She talks a lot more about Reddit, um, but whatever, like point being is like finding the community, engaging with the community. Yeah, that's it. Um, and let me ask you uh, for, for um, as a last question, let's touch this, this software social podcast. How, how did that idea come about? How did you get that one? So we started that. So that I have always, as I mentioned uh, earlier, I've always wanted to start a business and I just really needed a push. I just really needed some ah. inspiration and everybody in his, like, it seems like every tech guy and his friend have a podcast and I was <laughs> listening to one and it was lovely. Like the, the hosts were wonderful, but the guy in the podcast, this was again, like two years ago now, and I'm just trying to launch a business. And the guy in the podcast said, he, he had like quit his job and he was going to get in his car and drive, you know, all the way to California with his dad and they were going to live in their car, whatever. It was something oh. like that. Like he, he basically was like, Hey, I want to move from Oregon to California. So I'm just going to get in my car and I'm going to drive there. My dad's going to fly up and drive with me. And that's great. Like, that's awesome. But I am, I have three children. Like I am a mother and yeah. you know, a wife yeah, a and like, I have a whole lot going on here. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. first there were no women in the space doing it, which was kind of disheartening, but it wasn't even that there were no women. Like, I didn't feel like I was getting a balanced perspective. Like, how do you really start a business when you have to balance life? Like, how does that work? Yeah. And so Michelle had recently moved to Denmark and she was just going to go and stay for two months. And then they decided to just move there forever. So oh. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't seeing Michelle anymore. And I was like, you know what? Like we are both balanced. We both have lives, right? We can't just yeah. get in our car and drive across the country because we feel like it. We just can't, you know, quit our job because we feel like it. We have all exactly. these other responsibilities. So we are trying to, when we started it, the goal was to kind of provide the perspective of what's it like starting a business and still having a life and not working 22 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So that's and, what that was about. 
And so you, you created the podcast to stay in touch with each other or what, what was yes. the main purpose of the podcast? Yes. The main purpose, because when we both lived in Virginia before we both moved, uh. we would meet every week. And as, as you know, you know, and if your audience doesn't know, like Michelle Hansen is a co-founder of Geocodio and they're yeah. wildly successful. And so it was kind of a neat, you know, we're very, very good friends. And also she's been there because she built she and her husband built Geocodio together. Yeah, she also and built was, a business. Yeah, right. So and I was just trying to get simple file upload off the ground. So it was mostly just just hang out and talk. Yeah, cool. That, that's really interesting because uh, Michelle is an experienced founder. Uh, she, she started several years ago, right? And she's she's yep. successful with her husband. Um, and you are a new one, you're trying to get all these struggles. And yeah, um, that's amazing. I love that. I, I keep listening to those um, episodes in my car when I'm on the way to the grocery store, for example. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Colleen, this has been quite a ride. I thank you very much for sharing all this information with us, all these experiences, these feelings and everything. So I think this will be a, a really good episode for our, for our listeners. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Audience Explorer podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at GetTheAudience and you can check out the blog at GetTheAudience.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out to me on Twitter or send an email to Matthias at GetTheAudience.com. If you want to support this podcast, please leave a rating in your favorite podcast player app. This will help other founders or creators to find this podcast about developing an audience for their product or service. Thank you very much for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.